Table Talk is not your typical D&D TTRPG podcast. We are not here to run you through our whole campaign. We're here to talk about everything else in the space of Table Talk. I'm your host, Alejandra Wilhelm. And I'm also your host, Mariah Gresham. And we're your tabletop roleplay girlies. Hello, hello. Post-production Mariah here. We had far more fun recording with the Slovenly Trolls than one episode could contain. So welcome back to part two of our deep dive into feminist D&D. Enjoy the show. We covered a lot of that good stuff, but yet we, I definitely do want to address like both the feminism and the TTRPG yeah. space, which we lightly touched on, but then like how that specifically, like I loved how you mentioned uh, in your origins, like realizing that you're you're playing in these kind of hidden spaces of like full female or like feminine presenting parties mm-hmm. and uh, wondering like, am I playing feminist? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And how that influences your games and things like mm-hmm. that. Because I like I definitely can tell like in my personal game that I, I definitely have a lot of that and how it's shifted and like how it changes my world because mm-hmm. it's it's very homebrew for Same. me. Yeah. Um and I'm like there are certain things that don't exist here because you come here you come to my table to escape yeah, from exactly. that shit. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I don't need to rely on that to make somebody yeah. bad. For sure. Yeah. Uh, but I would love to hear about like how how you how you perceive that affects like your games and what decisions you've made in your own uh respective games and worlds and how that's like shifted it for you. Oh, wow. Well, I think after starting the podcast, I feel like my perspective as a GM has changed a little bit more as a player because for my player brain, I just turn off. (laughs) I turn off my my brain when I'm a player. Like, yeah, I'll like, you know, try to find their voice and try to uh, get all, you know, I don't want to say method actor because that's a toxic uh, headspace to get in. But <laughs> I try to just like turn off my brain, not think too much about my decisions. I like, think a little bit, but just like turn off that DM brain. Like Embody. If, yeah, yeah. If you do this, this is going to have this consequence. And if this like you, your brain is on constant active mode when you're a DM, at least in my experience. So I like turning that brain off. But I've noticed just after doing the podcast and covering all the topics that we've covered, covering the history of D&D, I think that's what partially what pushed me to end my first campaign. Also, it was just coming to a natural close. I was feeling a little bit of DM burnout, which is something that I just real. I thought it was just me, but Ginny D made a video recently about DM burnout, and I was just felt so validated. So it was a combination of of that, a combination of the campaign naturally coming to a close, and also a combination of I want to create my own world and fix all of the problems that D and D broke. <laughs> like, <laughs> I mm-hmm. want mm-hmm. to make Drow nuanced. I want to give Loth a kingdom. I want to. Um, make sexism not a fucking thing because I'm so sick of it. Mm-hmm. I want like more inclusivity. I want no alignments. I just want people to have motivations and yeah, their actions, you know, might be interpreted as, you know, good or evil, but I just want everybody to have a reason for what they're doing and why they're doing it. And I think doing our podcast and talking about all these subjects in such depth and like doing the context and really understanding like where this stuff came from, it completely changed my headspace for the campaign that I'm running now. 
and it completely changed all of the different things that I wanted to tackle as a DM and like still have like such an amazing, weird, like little experience with the group I had that's always going to be silly, always going to be at least Mm R-rated minimum. Like it's going to be like goofy, (laughs) but also like having like a more overarching thing and a cathartic thing like in the background that the players can absolutely engage with if they want to. They can engage with these interpersonal relationships that I have built with the NPCs. They can engage with the moral quandaries that I've put into the world based off of, you know, what we've done with the podcast. But also, they cannot, and they can just have an amazing time, and that's okay, too. <laughs> like, And they could just mm-hmm. yeah, 100%. do something else, and then the world will burn behind them, you know? And then they won't fix anything, yeah. and that's okay. Like, they could, That's a completely valid choice that you can make. Um, but it, it's completely changed my headspace because I've seen what's wrong with D&D, and I want to fix it at my own table. I want to put my money where my mouth is, and I want to rewrite stuff, and I want to make it just a safe place. I just want my players to feel safe and heard and I want them to never feel like bad uncomfortable because there's like a good uncomfortable, right? Like you do like a description as a DM where it's like, "Oh, you we're both with yeah. your skull and their brain comes out." Blah, blah. And that's like, "Oh, yeah. gross. Why would you say that?" Like that's a okay-ish uncomfortable unless that's a trigger for you. Otherwise, you know, put that on your, you know, survey mm-hmm. sheet that I send out before I do a campaign. But um making I don't want anybody to feel bad when they're there and I think that knowing the people that I play with and playing the people that I play with and knowing their style and knowing that we're all women living in a post Roe v. Wade world and living Mm -hmm. in a world where women and minority groups are constantly under attack, creating a safe space for all of us. And Lissa isn't in the U.S., but she hears us and she's an ally. <laughs> she's a U.S. ally. Like, she's she's heard me cry about Roe v. Wade, literally. So, like, mm-hmm. yeah. and she let me, bless her heart, like, do an episode right after it happened about how um, the article Dungeons and what is it? Um, women in Magic. Just of just of gamers. Yeah, the yeah, bringing the distiff gainer into D anD D. It's one of my favorite episodes I've ever done, or that we've ever done, and that Lisa let me do because I wasn't sure if I even wanted to, and she said, "No, this is a good idea," and it's all about this awful article that was written in like two or three years after Roe v. Wade originally was passed. And how this ridiculously mm-hmm. sexist mm-hmm. article came out in Dragon Magazine, which is an offset of like an official D&D magazine. And like offshooting that with the second wave feminism, like and how mm-hmm. that was happening at the time and how this was so aggressively anti-feminist. Like how could that exist? And it was a very cathartic episode. Like it's one of my favorite episodes that I've that I've ever had the honor to do with Lissa. <laughs> like because I Aww. just – it was such – a cathartic moment and like I'm sure you can hear like in our concluding thoughts like I'm on the verge of tears I'm just like this was great (laughs) like I Mm -hmm. needed this I needed to like yell about women's rights for a bit and so I want my players to feel safe yelling about that stuff I want them to feel safe like punching somebody in the face if they insult them like in my game I want them to feel a place where like all this crap that's happening right now doesn't matter in the three hours that we're together. And I think that's for right. me what feminist D&D means is just using 
the wonderful game of D&D that was created by not so wonderful people at times and making it our own and using it as a tool to just be with your friends and create this world together and be feeling safe and good and empowered doing it, you know? Yeah. 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 I agree. I think it's a it's such a it's such a strange thing to explain to people that have never touched or played the yeah. game what a tool it is to process things. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because you you inherently will always like even a, like a, like I said like you could play fucking Bob and the Goblin and <laughs> yeah him up five minutes <laughs> yeah. ago, um, but you'll inherently always instill a part of you in there and like in the process of playing as that character gets fleshed out you realize that there's like things that you're kind of working through and you're gonna yeah. like kind of place your own traumas on there and like watch it be played out in the in a safe space of D and D and process that stuff and it, it is escapism it's therapeutic a hundred percent of the time and like just the yeah that element of like i want like when i sit at my table i want people like you said i want them to feel safe i want them to feel represented mm -hmm. i want them to be in a world where like if sexism didn't yes. exist and there were powerful women like as many powerful women as there are powerful like male uh if not more you, you know <laughs> if not if not yeah. matriarchy but do it right you know like yeah. <laughs> exactly and like uh like i like to to think of it in a way of like i structure my bad guys and my and my good guys and and they're with their own motivations and and all of those things but the uh like the gender or the sexuality makeup or the race or what have you is a descriptor yeah but not a deciding factor uh, yes. in that character. It's not a focal point. Yeah. It's yeah. not anything. Right. Like you dictate that person by their actions and what they're yeah. doing actively yeah. in the world. Um, and across the board, like I have all the queer representation you could possibly imagine, mm -hmm. all like the racial makeup, all the, all like, you know, there's there's not really like a gender hierarchy in, in my not games really, no. uh, or anything like that because I'm like, I got plenty of shit to make these people yeah. make you want to hate these people yes, and there's I don't so need to rely on a crutch. Yeah, so many other that you yeah. can do. Yeah. Which like you bringing that up and you guys mentioning like Drow, like I also adore Drow and like Lolf is such Bean. a fascinating Queen. character Mommy. um Mommy loaf. and it's really interesting for me like in D, D and in like campaign like in the vampire mastery campaign that i'm working on and like in my own writing and like plans for novels that i want to write like how you make our how we make our villains yes. and when our villains are women mm -hmm. how that often gets characterized yep. and it's like yep. how do we make an interesting compelling female villain that is not a villain because of a man or is not a villain because of they're after petty vengeance mm -hmm. or is not a villain because their their only yeah. motivation is to like weaponize their sexuality yeah. not that like i mean listen like do it but it is very reductive yes. a lot mm -hmm. of the times so, like even like i I just reread the first two Akatar books and like I, I love them to death. But like looking at like Amarantha as yeah. a character sure. in the first one, sure, sure, sure. Mm -hmm. she was doing it sort of to avenge her sister. Mm -hmm. 
which like is is valid. So actually, yeah, that's not as great of an example as I thought it might be. Crescent City might be a better example, but mm. Ollie hasn't read that, so I won't spoil things. <laughs> um, it's a really interesting and fun and compelling thing to think about of like how do you make these female villains whole people yeah even if you do use those um old motivations like you can absolutely still do mm-hmm. that but put some nuance into totally. it totally just give it a different yeah. yes. perspective like i have it not be the have only it not be thing. the only thing and have it have them be like have them exist without that motivation like or you know think about what they do after they get it like do they keep going Mm -hmm. are they more like oh i got what i wanted now i'm just gonna go live off you know whatever and just treat them i know this is a wild concept treat them like human beings and like (laughs) how they're nuanced and how they are like how they present themselves as like people and i think as, as long as you have that in the back of your mind it's much easier than you think it is but, you know, with the yeah. media, you know, pressing. Yeah. right three-dimensional round female yeah. characters, yeah. especially female yeah. villains, and not have them just be flat. Exactly. I think one of my favorite things is, like, like I had an experience recently. So I have I have an NPC named Reyna, um, who I have a lot of love for. That is, like, my baby. I used to play her as a character. She's grown a lot uh, through the years. But I now play her as, like, she is in some ways like a DMPC for me because I I love her so much. Um, but like for me, her for her and across the board in Trodane, like in the setting of the city and stuff, yeah. all the people that I have as like air quotes bad guys um, are bad guys depending on what side of the coin you're standing. Yeah, it's absolutely. all it's all about perspective, really. Like yeah, it's, it's like everyone has exactly. a reason. It, it's about New like their villain. backstory. It's about their. And, like, I, I never understood alignments to the T. It was more so of, like, what are their motivations? Are they more yeah. motivated for the good of the people or are they motivated for themselves? Because if you go more themselves, exactly. you could go, like, either they're neutral and they pick and choose or they are to themselves to the utmost degree. And that's what I would classify mm-hmm. as, like, an evil character. Exactly. And, like, with, with this specific character, so, like, Mariah's character, uh, Anya, has, like, a relationship to Reyna. Um, yeah, and she Reyna's is... oldest daughter is Anya, like, a childhood best friend of Anya's. Yeah. And you've grown up with her as, and, like, that's like, auntie. Yeah, my, yeah, so it's, like, this terrifying archfey who, like, my Anya's ca- mother and Bryony and Reyna were, like, good friends and pen pals and, like, had this Rand's like running her court and also gets these letters with just like all random tea and drama yeah. and shit she's like let me not be a ruler for two seconds just yeah. like damn that's crazy because she used to she used to be human and she know she remembers what that feels like and yeah she, and she, she needs a little that. a little break yeah yeah and uh but for you like yeah like for Anya's character like that's auntie and then um yeah. my my players did a thing um, a really cute thing that your players know it was me <laughs> i'll say that with my whole chest so what my my character went to like wither blue which is like this very sort of like the college of like kind of life and death and like it's like magic campus. and necromantic yeah. magic and all of that and my character anya is a uh pal she will be a vengeance paladin to a death god that mm-hmm. sort of like reign over the sanctity of life and mm-hmm. death so she uh, went on to we're, we're not supposed to be on the Witherbloom campus at night because there's shit that'll eat you. And so Anya went, and because our none of our party members trust each other, because we all have 
issues and can't communicate with a damn. She went by herself onto Witherbloom to go meet one of the deans of Decay because yeah. he sort of like summoned her. And there's a bunch of other shit that went into that. And of course, uh, she got yoinked by like a corpse flower thing and almost died. And like Lisette, the dean of growth, had to come and like save her fire, massive fireball that shit. And so then the, we all had to, and Cora went, um, Raina's daughter went with Anya, because Anya went like, I'm going to tell somebody that I'm going, just in case I fucking die, because I might. And the girl's like, hey, you're not going by yourself. My mom gave me Buku magic items, so I'm going to bring them and go with you. And that so was me, then, the DM, being like, this dumb bitch is about to go in here by herself. Yeah, but we, uh, <laughs> what I was I going to do? Her. Bring the party members that uh, we don't fucking like each other or we barely talk. It. No, I get it. I was like, there's no way that like Anya would bring this very dangerous secret and bring other people in. One, because she didn't want them to get hurt and two, because she doesn't trust them. Yeah. So my party members ended up sort of at toward the end of it, realizing that because we have like little like decennial ties, just like like that show threads you where of, people are, kind of like threads of fate that bind the party members. Nice. And Anya's was fraying because yeah. she was dying. Um, and so they were like, "Hey, yo, what the fuck?" And so they started running toward Weatherman Campus to see what was going on, and arrived like as Lisette was, you know, blazing up the, <laughs> the monstrous yeah. corpse flower. So it, but so we were all there, and so it was like, "Cool, we're gonna have to have a meeting, teacher meeting of everyone's parents that was involved." Which like Anya's parents are not currently present um so she's living with her godfather ambrose who is another dean and then Alyssa's character's jacks lives with he lives with his older brother who works in the government uh beck's character bex's character callista is is a a, nepo baby from an old money family an old money family and then we have cora whose mother is an archway and whose father works with the watcher yeah, who's like an eldritch god. These are yeah. these are NPCs that I was like, they're never going to meet them till like they graduate. Right. And I fucked that up for Ollie because I'm like, sorry, Mommy Reina has to come. And I was like, meet, oh, fuck. <laughs> meet, meet the parents. Uh, so I had to do a lot of mental math and like bringing her in because uh, I, funny enough, like two of the players there, their respective family members work in government and Oak the Reina's husband is yeah. on like a government shit list. Yeah, he's like blacklisted. He, people have been trying to arrest that man for mm-hmm. centuries. So they walk into that meeting and they and know, everybody had diplomatic immunity. <laughs> everybody has diplomatic immunity because like you don't have a magic college with the most powerful like families and students or whatever across mm-hmm. the board without being like, listen, I know some of y'all are coming from some big beds. Right. Yeah. Right. Uh, it's like the poor Dean is just sitting there like, I do not get paid enough <laughs> to do this shit. shit. Trying to orchestrate this meeting of these like so People. I had to do a whole scene of like those two uh, men who work in government um, seeing Oak walk in mm-hmm. and assuming him to be the biggest threat in the right. room. Right. Because Cora's last name is Oak's last name, yeah. not Raina's. Not Raina's. And nobody knows about Raina in that fucking town. No. And, no. Uh, you know, Nepo Baby's family, the mom makes a comment. Like a a pretty Not derogatory like, yeah, comment poor towards breeding, Cora, poor like, breeding, all something. that jazz. Uh, and Rain and like I had Raina have a moment and like Oak just smiling like a fucking giddy Oak in a purple suit 
yeah. fucking eating a croissant. <laughs> just minding like, his business. Minding his goddamn business. He's like, if I need to kill everybody except my daughter and Anya, I can do that. But other than that, I'm going to let my wife I'm wife. fucking chilling. Yeah. That's and so mine. I'm going to stand beside he just, her. Like, gives his wife a little reassuring pat as like, I, I act out this whole scene of her like flexing some archfey power. And then yeah. just like, I had a whole monologue of like, basically summing up the we had worked it out we had worked it out before but a whole monologue about being like you want to talk about good stock i will slaughter you like the fucking cattle you are yeah uh kind of shit and like that moment of like anya seeing for the first time why someone like your guardian thinks of was terrified of reina and anya's just like that's hot like good for her yeah i support i support reina's rights and her wrongs yeah Yeah. but it's all it was funny because we role played that after and Ambrose was like anya's godfather was freaking the fuck out he's like you don't understand why this and she's like but like you wield shadow magic and reina wields shadow magic. like i don't see why y'all can't i don't see why you're so bothered it feels a bit odd he's like listen i he's like i play i practice shadow magic reina is the void from which darkness (laughs) came like these are different things and it's like yeah but also it's auntie yeah but also <laughs> it's we scary support Some, women's sometimes auntie has, <laughs> yeah sometimes auntie has a scary shadow form like that it's fine yeah but for me she's the embodiment of like uh listen if you're on her good side she'll move move the move mountains yeah, right. for you but if if you fuck around and find out, you will. You, you will, will in find, fact out. find out. You will find out. And, and to some people, like that, might constitute as a war crime. <laughs> I just think of it as justice. And that's the nuance of it. And so when the players, you know, interact with that kind of stuff, like it's a moral quandary. And that's a good, like that's a good thing to have in any game. But the fact that it's like a feminine presenting character is even better because that never can happens. It's always yeah. Mm-hmm. In media, a lot of the time, like you were talking about earlier, women are always just bogged down by these very specific stereotypes which can be done well if there's a little nuance put into it if there's a new twist on it but if they're just the flat out stereotypes and just perpetuating all these harmful you know views of stuff it doesn't do much to forward the conversation it doesn't do much heavy lifting to see female characters as humans (laughs) they're just objects they're Mm -hmm, just the bbeg they are their body or they are their connection to a man in their life or they don't pass the Bechdel test yeah or, they're know. like a prize to be won a prize yeah. to be won to get passed exactly. Yeah. exactly so applying that knowledge I think is a very feminist thing to do just treating your any character that's femme presenting in your game is or any like minority group in your game just presenting them as human and if they so happen to be a villain putting nuance into it putting thought into it that is feminist that is yeah. equal that is yeah. feminist D&D Absolutely. to a yeah. like just d- like keep that, doing yeah. that it's, it's that like embracing humanity I know we're talking about like different species or races and they're not all human yeah. or human yeah. base but it's mm-hmm. like they all have this inherent humanity within them otherwise mm-hmm. we wouldn't necessarily be playing them i mean you can always like combine the humanity and the monstrous form because there are certain ones that you know you have a more monstrous past or you know you can bring that kind of element into it but it's it's all about like creating nuance, I think. And with that, you can break, you know, stereotypes of people. You can break t- stereotypes mm-hmm. of fantasy. You can break stereotypes of, uh, you know, 
like these characters and these kind of concepts that we have in the real world. And because this is escapism, this is fantasy, and you can like fix it all in this game, like when when you do it like in a way that is nuanced and mm-hmm. and brings like yeah. depth to it. And yeah. Yeah, you which... can also like it in that way you can also explore things of like how do we fix it? Like if I make mm-hmm. this character like this does that make them better? Does that make them worse? If it doesn't work out that way, characters can change. You can have an insightful in- insightful incident that will cause them to... What's the word I'm looking for? The existential yeah, crisis. crisis. There we go. Perfect. Existential crisis and then change their behavior based on outside forces. Mm-hmm. And that's what I love about D- D&D is like you're able to try things out and then if it doesn't work, you can just you know, change it. It fixes. Yeah. Yeah. Like we talked about in a recent episode, talking about toxic players and stuff, we Mm -hmm. got off on a tangent about like running characters that have goals that go against the party or that might betray the party or something like that. And the, like our point was, like I was going to do that in the Ravenloft campaign and that character never got introduced, but you can do it, but you have to do it in a way that's very nuanced and intelligent and aware. And I like playing with that. And I like a lot of my characters sit on like they have I've never met a character with a not traumatic backstory. Like (laughs) I like playing with the darker aspects of humanity and the darker aspects of my own personality. That's fair. I mean, what I think really fun. Every like resides within everyone. And it's like if a certain set of circumstances occurred and a certain sequence of pressure points were hit, how would you react? And that's also why I like running Vampire the Masquerade because it's like, well, this isn't D&D. You're not heroes. We're all monsters here. Mm -hmm. And what you do with the vestiges of your humanity or morality or soul or whatever you, however you want to characterize it, whatever you do with what remains of that, you are at your core a monster Mm -hmm. and you only live because you hurt other people. You feed on other humans that are innocent. So where does that leave us when those monsters create a society it's that ethical mm-hmm. dilemma and they're immortal yeah. yes and it's so you have these things for like eons old contests and grudges and and then you add powers and abilities and yeah. it's just it's it starts dark yeah. and that that's why i like that and that's why i chose that to sort of make my my debut because yeah. <laughs> it was interesting because it's like yeah no no one's a hero here and it's like i think bex's character is probably the most humane or the most like wants to i fully murdered an entire town of people so <laughs> yeah like she she wants to be outwardly the kindest but even that at the end of the day it, it, some level of that is a facade yeah. right because you are all controlled by the hunger the the hunger and the beast within you and it's like that's my shit i like that Mm -hmm. because it's interesting to look at it puts you in these sort of edge cases where it's like i I think it's just fun to think about it's like what what would people do what is a world what what does a world look like where i let my intrusive thoughts win (laughs) i have zero self-control yeah and when somebody talks at me a certain way, I'm like, what if I just ripped her throat It's out? so yeah. freeing as somebody who's played a couple of chaotic characters. It is so freeing to be like, fuck the rules. I'm just going to do this. See what happens. Yeah. Be mm-hmm. the chaos you want to see in the world. Especially as somebody who like <laughs> overthinks everything they've ever done in their entire yeah. lives and like guessing. Same. 
of like, oh my god, if I do this, will they do that? What And mm-hmm. reading into everything of like, no, fuck it, I'm gonna do this, and I will suffer the consequences. Yep. Yeah. That's fair. That's my strict saving character to a T, I feel like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, break the game. Like, literally break it. What other game can you play? Like, what other hobby can you have where you can break it and then you can still create a story and still have fun with the pieces that you pick up. You can't do that with a video game. You can't do that with a book you're reading. You can't do that in like basically any other hobby. Like break the game. I get on Lissa's case all the time telling Mm -hmm. her how much she breaks my game because I know she lives for that. So I'm just like, yeah, break it more. I (laughs) like to break my game. No, break it. It's fine. Please break it. I am a chaos gremlin. Break it. It's fine. Yes, exactly. Be a chaos gremlin. Take risks. Use it. And it's also, you know, important to know that D&D is a very therapeutic thing. It isn't therapy, though. So always, always talk to your DM. Talk to your group about what topics that you want to and you're comfortable with doing and then have an open conversation about it. I've definitely had conversations with players out of game when I can tell like I think this is emotionally affecting you and I want to talk about it and I'm going to put up a boundary Mm -hmm. saying that I'm not comfortable I'm not a psychologist I'm not a psychiatrist I'm not trained in any of this I'm just a storyteller and I'm your friend so we're going to hash this out and we're going to do whatever makes both of us comfortable because it's a very delicate thing the mind and D&D it has been used as a therapeutic tool by actual trained therapists. So it's also just very important that everybody's always on the same page. When you do want, when you do find yourself like using it as a th- cathartic thing, just so mm-hmm. as long as everybody yeah. and it's such a- does that, then you should be golden. But always, always there, there's room for error there. Like even if you have everything in place. So be aware of that because <laughs> I've definitely had that yeah. happen before. It's such an emotionally like vulnerable. Yes place sometimes and like it's one a very deep honor to be trusted with that like as a dm by my friends and being like you are giving me all the access to your psyche that i know of you as an an intimate friend of yours i don't want to break it like i don't actually want to i don't want to break it (laughs) no right um but like it is it is such a such a deeply like intimate thing to do yeah like an an honoring thing to accept that trust yeah yeah and like for me, it's like your big T trauma yeah. is not what we're no. working no. out and it and, and at a table. But you can like you can look and some of those things will creep up on you. Like I know we've both had that. Like we yeah. didn't intentionally oh, absolutely. it's mostly think unintentional. We were connecting something. Yeah. Yeah, and then it it unconsciously came up, and I think those do, that does present really interesting opportunities to like pause and self reflect sure. and be like, okay, that's an interesting thing to think about. Mm-hmm. But. Yeah, I think it's a lot of mindfulness and communication mm-hmm. and, yeah. and all of that. And creating that safe space to not just, like, have had a discussion about what is okay to be discussed and not discussed, but also creating, like, that, like, comfortable enough environment where your players feel okay to come to you should something come mm-hmm. up. Yeah. yeah. And vice versa is is so deeply, deeply important. And I think that's also, like, one thing we've noted in the in a past episode and especially, like, right now is, like, when when I think about feminist D&D, that, like, emotional vulnerability Absolutely. and being okay yeah. with addressing it, I think that's so highly emphasized at, like, femme, pre- femme presenting and, like, queer presenting yeah. tables. Yes. Oh, my God. Um, that is not as common, not to say it never happens at, at, at male tables, but, like, it's not as common practice, and it should be. And also, be. also kind of that, like, self-discovery, that that safety, that vulnerability, it is, I mean, culturally, it's been built into femininity, but 
it is very feminist to like upkeep this kind of open honesty and this sharing culture and this kind of self-discovery, embracing who you are, whether it's feminine, whether it's masculine, whether it's somewhere in between and you don't really know yet, but you can use D&D to find who you are. You can use D&D to try out different gender roles. You can use D&D to try out, you know, different pronouns. You can use D&D for, you know, all this beautiful stuff. And I feel like it's very feminist to use D&D in this sort of like healing way yeah. and allow other people to use it in a healing way obviously with you know lines and veils so you don't cross any boundaries with anyone else but in this beautiful way to like collaboratively not only tell a story but also go on this like self-discovery journey i mean you don't have to obviously like if you Absolutely don't want not, to you, you can just use to. it for escapism but there's that possibility and some some of the people at your table could be using it so just be like mindful of like okay well this person's clearly having a moment or their character's having a moment and understanding that while you may not you know be in that place they might be and then giving them mm -hmm. the time and space to kind of deal with that as well 100 yeah. percent. um well with that i think that's a great note to end on and we are coming up on on time on our extended <laughs> um, because this is such such an so amazing fun. conversation and thank y'all so much uh for coming on this was great i would would do it again in a heartbeat absolutely yeah, thank you so we much need for a having group, us group text. yeah thank you absolutely yeah this has been absolutely. great this was so good we tend to always come on different programs and they will tell us like oh yeah we'll be done in about an hour and then me and shirty look at each other and we'll go um, sure. You don't. You don't understand. <laughs> yeah. You don't quite understand how much we talk when we start talking and discussing. Yeah, you things. cannot like, shut us up. Like, yeah. there, there is no cap and no limit to this. See, but I love that because me and Mariah have the same. Problem. Yeah, yeah. We're the like when we were discussing starting the podcast, and we're like, wow, we can just bullshit for sure. Yeah. Hours, so that's fine. Which is great. It's a great talent to have. Not great for your editor. Um, no, 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 no. Well, our editors, our editors, yeah, our editors, me. So like. Yeah. Our condolences. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, but it's it's a good talent to have to like go on all these tangents and have these important discussions. But yeah, once you get us talking well, about like feminist D&D, we'll just, we will literally talk mm -hmm. for hours about it to anybody who wants to listen on any platform. <laughs> like, incredible. Yeah, absolutely. Incredible. And like, can cannot recommend it enough. Uh, like as, as we talked about before, if you want really great like insightful takes on all things DD, well-cited sources very fucking entertaining clearly <laughs> so good oh um my God. you know definitely go check out slovenly trolls they're amazing um and you know even even if you are not a, f a feminine or queer presenting person that like is very passionate about, about feminism like i mean my partner Art thoroughly enjoys if you're your not podcast. in that community you probably get more out of it because yeah we've it's education the, yeah. most of the messages we have received have been from men like literally and Incredible. I, some of most of them, I say some, most of them have made me cry or like tear up because it's just, we get these emails 
emails or these DMs from like usually like men that are our age or even a little bit older, like those who played second edition D&D when it first came out. Mm -hmm. And I remember this one email I got just like absolutely I was almost like bawling my eyes out because it was such it was such a nice message. They were just like, thank you for like putting this out, for talking about this, for like doing it in such a respectful way. And it's changed Anytime somebody tells us you've changed the way that we've played D and I yeah. will cry. Sorry, like if you say that to so me, good. I'll cry in a good way. And yeah. please keep saying it so because good. that warms our cold, dead hearts so much. But like, absolutely, every <laughs> we, we get most of those messages from men like who are listening, and that just warms our hearts so much because our podcast is for everybody. Like, it's not just for yeah. other feminists and other feminist fem presenting people. Like, it's for it's for everybody to hopefully get something out of and to have discussions about. And if we get something wrong, call us out and we can have a talk about it. Um, Don't like just leave hateful comments that aren't like (laughs) have no backing. But like, you know, if we get something wrong. Critique versus hate. Yeah, Mm -hmm. exactly. We're always open to constructive criticism and critique, Mm -hmm. but not like just hate. Don't be a dick. Like that's our (laughs) sign off. Number one rule. Yeah, generally. Don't be a dick. (laughs) General life advice. Perfect, perfect. Well, thank you so much, ladies, for coming on. Um, we've thoroughly enjoyed it. Please go check out Solvently Trolls wherever you get your podcasts. They're uh, bi-monthly, right? Uh, monthly. 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 Yeah. Monthly. Yeah. Monthly. First of every perfect. month. Yep. First of every nice. month. Definitely go check them out. Um, and we hope you have a good one. It's a soft reminder that it is just a game. It's not that serious. <laughs> it's not that deep. Um, and I hope y'all have a great one. Bye. Bye. Table Talk is a podcast brought to you by Mythos Media Productions, bringing you a new episode every Wednesday, wherever you get your podcasts. Find us on Instagram and TikTok at TabletalkRPG, or check us out at our website, mythosmediaproductions.godaddysites.com. All business inquiries can reach out to us via email at info at mythosmediaproductions.com.